everyone. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. It is the end of the day on Tuesday, January 24th, 2023, and the beginning of the 3rd of Shvat, 5783. I'm recording from my home in the Judean Hills in Israel, and I, but I'm delighted to have on the line none other than Fiamma Nirenstein, who at the moment is in Rome, and tomorrow she's going to Florence. She's going to tell us why she's going to Florence. Um, many of you I know have, been, have read her articles, have read her books, prolific journalist and author, her newest book, Jewish Lives Matter. If you've been to the Museum of the History of Judaism in Tel Aviv, she's in the section Women That Opened the Way. She's a member of the Italian Parliament for many years and as at the time the deputy, the deputy president of the Commission of Foreign Affairs. And now she's involved with the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, the JCPA, and is responsible for that little topic called anti-Semitism. And so uh, Fiamma is, uh, to explain, first of all, welcome. I'm so honored to have you on Rejuvenation. I'm sure that my listeners are also thrilled. Um, and I just love your accent, I have to say. I love the Italian accent. But tomorrow you are off to <laughs> Florence. Why? Look, Eva, first of all, let me thank you. I'm so I'm delighted to be with you. I feel at home being with you <laughs> on the Judean Hills. Really, it's a place that I love and I am with. You know, it's very important for me. I'm and you're happy. an Israeli as well. You made Aliyah years ago. I made and, Aliyah. Yeah. Immediately I finished with the parliament and uh, and uh, I have a lovely home in Jerusalem. This is where I live usually. <laughs> with my husband and one of my children and uh, the little one and where I will be coming back uh, as soon as possible. Now I'm I'm here also for this missima, this aim that is uh, to build in Florence. That is my hometown where I was born and where I grew and that I love. I always thought that Jerusalem looks a lot like Jerusalem, you know, and sometimes yeah. I even dare saying that to the Jerusalemite that look at me a little surprised. <laughs> really, they are all, you know, Florence is surrounded by hills. Right. And I love the, Florence. The, the, all the yeah. time, this sense of being in and being out in the same town, exactly as in Jerusalem. So this is where I grew. And we're now, just the day after tomorrow, with a uh, with uh, uh, we will present with a podcast with a, with a webinar that will be held together with the Jerusalem Center of Public Affairs, uh, a new center by the name of Cesca, C E S C A, uh, which means uh, making a long story short, a European Center uh, for the Study of Antisemitism. Because my dream is uh, just to make of, of Florence uh, the real center in Europe of the fight against anti-Semitism. There are many centers uh, of, of the fight about anti against anti-Semitism. Also, the European Union in Bruxelles has some, and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, everybody now uh, deals with this subject. My, my dream is uh, to do it in my hometown, Florence, which is just, if you think about the map, is just in the middle of Italy and of the Mediterranean. You know, mm -hmm. Italy is long, is long boot in the middle of the Mediterranean. Florence is just in the middle over there, rich with the art crafts of the most important uh, artists of the world, from Michelangelo uh, to Giotto, Donatello, or whatever uh, you might think about, it's in Florence. 
And Florence has a long tradition of international, uh, inter, inter, of an international position. Whatever is done in Florence is famous all over the world. This is what I think. Mm-hmm. And it has a long history of relationship with the Mediterranean people over there. You know, mm-hmm. the people of the Mediterranean, that one of the first mayors after the Second World War uh, of Florence, Giorgio Lapira, held particularly close to his heart. And nowadays, Christians uh, and the Jews, uh, uh, nice, uh, very nice, not big, but uh, adorable with a wonderful Beta Knesset where I grew uh, in Florence, are, uh, are really on the forefront of a, of a struggle that I think that must be fought, uh, first of all, in Europe. And uh, so we start this battle uh, with the help of the mayor of, of um, Florence and with the help of the deputy mayor of Jerusalem that we joined together a group of representatives of all the uh, monotheistic religion of the world, including hmm. uh, the Muslim, uh, speak about the heritage of the Holocaust as a starting point, a spiritual starting fo- point to fight for the memory of the Holocaust and against anti-Semitism. The memory of the Holocaust and the shared moral struggle against anti-Semitism. This is the title. People participating in the debate are absolutely fascinating, uh, wise, clever people of all the religions. Uh, please join. This is, this will be on Thursday at the Italian 6 o'clock and, uh, and it will be uh, forecast either by Florence and from Jerusalem, from the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Uh, Dan Dyker will open with us uh, the uh, this this uh, big thing. You can find the program. I will send it to you. I'll put the link and, in uh, near the show so that my listeners can tune great. in. Absolutely, wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank do you, you much. do you Thank think you. that antisemitism is getting worse now in Europe, or it's Look, the same? Uh, a few years. A few years ago, I'm speaking about I'm speaking about uh, Europe in general uh, because uh, Italy is not is certainly not the worst no. of the of the of the European uh, countries about the Jews today. At its time, it has been because it had the racial laws promulgated by the fascist regime. So of course, it has been terrible to the Jews. Uh, because uh, Hitler, Hitler and Mussolini were allied in the persecution of the Jews. Still, even then, uh, on a population of 40,000 Jews only, and I say only, quote yes, unquote, right. only 7,500 Jews were deported from Italy. Mm-hmm. So you understand that being a terrible, terrible thing and among them, uh, the brothers of my grandmother, several members of my Italian part of the family, the other is, is Polish, uh, they have been deported to Auschwitz. Uh, still, uh, the, the, the Italy is a milder place, if I can yes. say so, uh, about the Jews and all this has been and still today. Worst are Belgium, France, Germany, uh, Holland. And, Yes. Absolutely. In general, what we can say today is this, that from 160,000 Jews, which is the total number of a few years ago, nowadays Mm -hmm. there are 30,000 less. Wow. Uh, Jews have run away, partly. Mm -hmm. They have gone away. 
because uh, because uh, there has been a lot of violence and uh, I am uh, I, I think in a an enormous quantity of number I will give you only some, only some uh, from uh, tw from 2020 to 2021 after COVID uh, that put up a lot of anti-Semitism as you know mm -hmm. with a lot of conspiracy theories and uh, because of the wars uh, of the wars with Gaza that also brought a big wave of anti-Israelism. Uh, uh, Israelophobia and anti-Semitism, the, the anti-Semitic attacks have doubled. So in England, for instance, in 2021, they became 20, 2,225 against the 1,684 in 2020. And uh, uh, I make you an example of running away in Nice, Nizza, eh, mm -hmm. in France, from 20,000 Jews that were used to live there, now you have only 3,000 Jews. Sweden saw a massive yeah. runaway massive. Of, of Jews. Yeah, so Malmo and other places. And uh, yeah. anti-Semitism. Eh? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's a mix. It's a mix of presence of anti-Semitic Muslim uh, Islamic uh, anti-Semitism, uh, of Islamic anti-Semitism brought by the, the massive immigration there, there has been uh, in Europe mm -hmm. on one side. But on the other side, it's the mass of prejudices that speak all the time about apartheid country, uh, genocidal attitude, uh, colonialism, imperialism, uh, all the, the it's it's the old way of uh, of inaugurating an era of anti-Semitism. It is just declaring the Jews unworth uh, the respect and the, and the friendship of the rest of the population that anti-Semitism starts becoming a tsunami wave. And this is what happened here. We have had plenty of terrorist of terrorist attacks. Um, you remember Charlie Hebdo maybe in right. 2015, and then Toulouse in 2012. You remember that mm -hmm. there were children going children. to school, the children killed with their with their teacher and the father that was bringing them, and then in the Museum of Bruxelles. Rue de Copernic, Rue de Rosière, you know, just mm -hmm. name, just name the place. About Italy, uh, there has been uh, many uh, unpleasant episodes, but the real terrorist episode are old. For instance, the most important maybe it's the one in 1982 when a Palestinian uh, uh, terrorist uh, group uh, that uh, now, only now, they start understanding that they did not belong to extremist group like uh, Hamas or the FPL, uh, PFLP, but, yeah. but, to, but, yes, but, to, but to Fatah, looks like it was an order of Arafat. Nowadays, after a long, long time, and this is coming up. Uh, it was this, then it was the Achille Lauro uh, mm, story right. of the... That, uh, I'll go back for a second to 1982, because that was when this terrorist group attacked the synagogue 
and uh, killed uh, a two years and a half old uh, boy. And now a beautiful book just came out by his brother that tells all the story. Mm-hmm. And he went into the story. And what he discovers is that the Jews at that time had practically been uh, um, sold by the government of that time that made an, uh, made an agreement with the terrorists, asking them not to touch the Italians. Wow. They will not be disturbed in chasing after the Jews. Huh. So this is coming up just now. It, it took, you can understand, it was in 1982. So think how long it, took it has 40 years. taken until it came up now. Wow. But wow. also that all that, eh? yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, there, is, there are several things about <laughs> And this little boy did not appear on the list of the victim of terrorists until uh, Napolitano, that was the president of the Republic on the, of the left, I must say, put him on the list. And now in front uh, of the synagogue, there is a square called by his name Stefano Tasche. And you can, and if you go and visit the wonderful synagogue of Rome, you will pass through this square that is calling his name there were about uh, uh, 40 people wounded 40 people wounded eve are you there yeah i'm here i'm here i'm here so we will go on okay mm-hmm. and uh, there were uh, and and then there has been several other attacks and i want to tell you something that is very connected to the present how could it happen that a terrorist group arrived until the synagogue, prepared the attack, and were able to shoot the Jews without anybody uh, knowing Stopping. the end? Yeah, yeah. It happened be- be- because there had been a terrible wave of left-wing propaganda after Sabra and Shatila in that period. Well. So everybody actually despised the Jews because of Sabra and Shatila. Everybody put on the Jews the guilt and the fault, uh, even if, as, as everybody knows, uh, uh, it was phalangist uh, Christians that committed that. Uh, exactly, not Israel, right. Not, not Israel, still. All the newspapers, all the media, all the television were defending the, the idea that it was uh, the Jews' fault. Mm-hmm. So the Jews were left aside and the atmosphere grew and grew and grew around them until uh, there were demonstrations in front of the synagogue. And uh, then at the end, there was this terrorist attack. So what, what do I want to say with this? I want to say that when the atmosphere of anti-Semitism Transvesti as a criticism to Israel grows and grows. It creates the field as it happened, as it happens in France, in Belgium, and in these uh, countries of North Europe, to kill the Jews. Then, at the end of the day, uh, the, the the result is just to kill the Jews. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's so the there, there is this idea that, that has to do with Europe and not really any other place that. Um, one of the reasons that the Europeans, are, let's just say, are not pro-Israel and that in general, the European Union does things that undermine Israel, like now they're helping the Palestinian Authority build illegally and doing all kinds of things, is that this relieves some of the guilt that they might have for World War II, because the Jews came here and just did to other people what had been done to us. 
so that they don't have to feel so bad. And that this has now morphed its way, the anti-Israel feeling, as you said, and as many people feel, has morphed its way now into perhaps a different kind of anti-Semitism that we had with the fascists. But, but does it really matter? Does it really matter if a synagogue is attacked because it's Islamic terrorists, because it's far left, because it's far right? What it, what it come, boils down to is that do you believe that the Jews in Europe as a whole are less safe than we were a few years ago? Because I know as someone who's been to Europe, just to get into a synagogue anywhere in Europe, you have to go through a lot of security. If you don't have your passport with you, they won't even let you in. So do you feel that this combination, this toxic combination, is, uh, is affecting the, the Jews in Europe? Look, um, it, it goes with waves. If we speak about the anti-Israelism of the European Union, it goes by waves, and it depends very much. Um, let's let's say something quite unpleasant, but uh, true. Uh, the the anti-Semitic feeling did not disappear. Mm -hmm. It has been all over Europe for centuries. It has uh, had different forms, falchions, uh, pogroms, uh, persecution. Uh, Inquisitions, uh, crusades, and then yes. The end, uh, and then the Shoah, and then mm. the Shoah, okay? The explosion of the enormous. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and still nowadays, even after the, the many promises of never again, Still, uh, anti-Semitism, prejudice, uh, uh, as you correctly say at the beginning of your question, it's just uh, it's just a way of saying, well, you, to, to themselves, well, you see, after all, we were not so wrong where we, when we exactly. were against the Jews. So, that, exactly. so that, that this is one of the things that Robert Wistrich examined very much in his books about anti-Semitism. Are, um, just to describe this terrible phenomenon of the Nazification of uh, of, uh, of Israel, uh, Nazification of the Jews, which is the most disgusting of all, when they define the attitude of the Jews uh, just like the one of the Nazis. Nazis. This is something that happens. Uh, it's it's a pro to me it's even uglier than all the rest. Having said that, now uh, what is Europe doing with the Jews, and uh, and what uh, will they do? There is a change. There is a, okay. First of all, there is a sort of fixation about the issue of the Palestinians. The issue of the Palestinian is not looked at as a reality. It's looked at as the symbol of uh, oppression, persecution, third worldism, and these are the Palestinian. Nobody gives a damn about the idea that they never wanted any agreement with us that they persecute us, that they have killed in thousands of women and children of ours. This is them. And that Abu Mazen pays, as you say, the, the salaries to the... Right. To the Pay to slay. To the, yeah. They will keep giving Abu Mazen the money because the, the Palestinians are absolved from any crime. This is, this is not... And so, in consequence of that, they will keep saying two states for two people. This is what a mantra that they keep saying. Mm -hmm. And the and the other mantra is occupation, occupation, occupation. This is the a word that they adore. And they also say wrongly so that in the United Nations resolution there is written occupation, while it's never written occupation, right. it's always uh, disputed territories and it's not occupied territory.
territory. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's all a fake, it's all a fake politics, if we can call it like this. Now there is something going on until in the pacifist uh, left-wing attitude of the European Union, Iran, they thought that they could have uh, helped uh, uh, to find an agreement with Iran, that Iran could come back to be a partner in a, in a good relationship and that they would stop uh, with the atomic bomb preparation and construction and, uh, and they will help them. But what happened now? First of all, there is this revolution in Iran when you can see the Iranian uh, hanging uh, 15 years old uh, children and killing uh, girls in the street right. because they don't dress uh, the Islamic way. That's one point. And second, but not less important, and keep it in mind, because in Israel, I write and write it again, but they don't want to give much importance to this, while it, it has become a very important card in the international game. Iran gives uh, drones uh, to Putin. Uh, Putin is using the Iranian drones uh, against the Ukrainians. This is for uh, this is for the European Union a mortal sin. It's something that they cannot forgive. So, having decided that Iran is not such a great partner as they used to dream about, Europe is putting in the list of terrorists. Uh, the guard of the revolution, the IRCGC, you know, mm-hmm. you know that they are putting them in the list of the of the terrorists. Just just so now, the, just recently, just yes. now, just just two days ago, and so this is so important for Israel because it is the first time where Europe has to say, "Oh well, you were right." It's it's something that it's a big that, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Having said that. So there is all of this strategic issue, which will will demonstrate very, very important on one side. And on the other side, there is the fact that on the issue of energy, medicine, with with all the COVID uh, story, technologies, uh, advanced, uh, without Israel, you don't go anywhere, you know? And Europe knows that very well. So... It's it's always a give and take balance where Europe, even if it is a, we could we could imagine it as a very neurotic human being all the time inside his memories and and dreams, but still it has to live in a reality where there is no energy, there is no money, there is a war at the border. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is Israel that is still a great ally of any Western uh, country and of any Western uh, 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 civilization. So uh, Europe uh, probably, because of the default of the of the issue of the of uh, the Iranian. Uh, peace uh, program they can europe can start imagining israel in a different way 
I like how you present that as neurotic. Like on the rational side, they realize that Israel is probably the best friend they'll ever have and provides things that they need. But on the other hand, that that evil germ of anti-Semitism that has been there for, as you said, really centuries and just come out in different ways in different centuries um, is still there and is preventing them from really behaving the way they should. And we'll, I guess we'll have to see who wins this battle for the European, you know, mind and soul uh, at the end. But your conference that you're that you're having uh, at least is bringing yeah. out the issue and not letting people think that it's not happening. Most people are probably not Absolutely. as aware as they should be. Look, I, uh, what I think is that the war is very, very strong nowadays. You can see also in Israel, unfortunately, there is a big clash. And I promise you, when they say that Israel is becoming a fascist country, an autocracy, I mean, when all of this description of the situation don't bring any good to to the Medina, it's uh, it's it's no. very it's very sad that people that do that don't think about the consequence. There are yeah. consequences. Yes, it, you know? yes, and you as a as a prolific journalist Israel. know that what you write actually gets read. And there's a responsibility to not have that bombastic exaggerations. And, and there are many Israeli journalists, not you, but there are other Israeli journalists who are making Israel look so bad on the world stage and in a completely false context. This is not Brazil and the government here, and we're not turning into a fascist country. There's a difference of opinion on certain reforms Absolutely. and things. But we are. But to put it out on the world stage in the way that I think a lot of journalists have done in an incredibly irresponsible manner, is uh, is making Israel look really. And it's not that we're a perfect country, but we're certainly not what it's being painted. So as I go back to my subject, that is anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. I can also tell you that this way of presenting Israel pushes toward anti-Semitism. Of course, of Never course. Never mind it if it comes from. Jewish uh, journalists. I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, Jewish journalists can push toward Jewish journalists. People in the street uh, that goes with placard where uh, Netanyahu is described as a Nazi. Right. You know, these are things that our our enemies will immediately hold very dear and uh, will uh, will show to all the rest of the world saying, "You see, we were right." That's, mm-hmm. that, that, this is what will happen today. So. I think that uh, there is a big need for uh, for these people to discuss the issues on the table, uh, to calm down, because we are still a country that uh, can be very proud of itself. You know, we, we are a very uh, free, uh, liberal, uh, respectful country where everybody is respected for his... Uh, political uh, ideas for for his uh, sexual choices mm-hmm. for for his you know whatever you are uh, we can change it not the people marching in the streets saying it is not they are only demonstration they are only a demonstration of the fact that Israel is democratic. Otherwise, they could not march saying <laughs> the most so very true. That way, right? That's so very true. Yeah, but they lost an election and they're losing their grip on a lot of the power that they feel is coming to them and that they've had since the beginning of the state. And uh, this right. is how they're the tiger cornered 
and this is how they're acting out. So I want to thank you so much, Fiamma, first of all, for all your years of honest journalism, for putting things out there. You're not sugarcoating anything. You're not rah-rah. You're putting things out there in an honest way, but always keeping in mind who your audience is and how they're reading it and in the context, and perhaps also because you read and you you know so many other languages, and that's an advantage. And I have to say this really, especially to my American audience, that that we miss the power of language because most Westerners really only speak English, and the power of being able to understand different languages and speaking different languages and understand different cultures is something that most North Americans do not have, and Europeans do. And it's very, very important um, to see that and to appreciate Fiamma as a Europe as an Israeli, but also with a European audience, for being able to make points that uh, that are otherwise going to be missed. And it's a very important role that not enough journalists play. Not everything is in English, and not everything is in the Western world. And I think a lot of times you miss that, and that's why it was so important for me to have a European angle this evening to bring Fiamma Nierenstein on the show and to kind of open our eyes to what's happening on the other side of the pond and uh, how important that is as well. So I really want to thank you and for the conference and it should go well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, many people should tune in and be educated as to what's really happening. And you should consider you don't you don't ever rest. It's amazing. You're just out there fighting the fight all the time for decades. It's Thank really you very incredible. Much. The, by the way, the, the the webinar will have a simultaneous translation in Italian. And, uh, apropos your uh, what you say about said... languages in Italian and in English, so everybody will be able. Uh, and the Israeli know English, so I try yeah. them for calling. Uh, because it's very important, you know, it will be of great encouragement to, to our new center in Florence. And for the fact that, that we will work for the first time, it will be an Italian center against anti-Semitism together with an Israeli center, the Jerusalem Beautiful. Center. So we will do it together. And this is also a bridge that is very meaningful to me. Absolutely. Fiamma Nerenstein, thank you so much. I'm going to embed the link to the to the conference in the text for this thank show. Thank you very much. And I hope that my listeners take advantage and uh, and listen in. And really, thank you so much. And it would be wonderful if this was the last conference we had to have on anti-Semitism because for some reason it disappeared. But I don't think that's going to happen. So, so keep up what you're doing. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. Thanks to Ben and to Tabitha. This is Eve Harrow. Take care, everybody, and goodbye for now. The Land of Israel Network is your connection to Israel and the Jewish world. Listen to our show hosts, Ari Abramowitz, Jeremy Gimpel, Eve Harrow, Josh Haston, Mike Foyer, Yishai Fleischer, and more. Keeping you up to date on news, politics, and spirituality. That's the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Broadcasting the truth and beauty of Israel to the world.